Well, good morning. Children may be dismissed for Children's Church. As the children are leaving, you know, Russ mentioned it this morning about how that the enemy is always at work. And I've been excited this last week about this series on addictions because I know that apparently something is happening through that. Because as I've said before, a lot of times it's hard to know if you're in God's will, if you're, you know, what, what God is really approving. But as a Bible school teacher of mine said, you always know when you're in God's will when the enemy attacks because you do see that. And from my perspective as being the pastor at this church, it's always amazing how he's always trying to destroy and trying to attack this body of believers. A lot of times you're not exposed to that because part of my job as being a shepherd is to deal with that stuff, to put out those fires and uh, maybe to control it a little bit too much. Um, we're going to talk about that today because as we saw this morning that sometimes things happen and you know what, maybe that's just for the best. Even when Satan tries to destroy something, God uses it for his glory. One of the things last week, I received an anonymous letter from someone in North Platte because the letter was postmarked from North Platte. And in this letter, it was a page-long rambling about how terrible my family is and how good that it is that my mother is now dead and that I am a product of my family. Even though that they say that they don't even know me, they admit that in the letter, and that I need to be honest in front of the church I mean, that's what they're saying in there. They didn't say exactly that, but it's in the rambling. Um, who exactly my family is, or they're going to expose me. And I thought, you don't know me at all, person, because the church gets tired of hearing this stuff from my family. Like, oh, we know, we hear it all the time. I thought, go ahead and come down here and try to expose me. You, you will be surprised. They'll be like, I know he's got problems. Tommy's been here for almost eight years. But it's amazing how the enemy attacks. I mean, only me can get anonymous letters in the mail telling you how terrible your family is and that they're going to try to expose you. I mean, I'm thinking, this person, and they even said they haven't even seen me since I was real little, little, said in the letter. So why? Why take up that campaign to try to, to destroy somebody and, you know, to tear them down? And that is truly from... Satan. So we're going to move on despite all that. We're going to go on our series. We've been talking about breaking the chains of addiction and we're talking about how we're going to stop it. And as I've said over and over the last several weeks, addictions can come in many different forms and addictions can fall into many different categories or both conscious and unconscious obsession. We don't even realize in our lives that they're addictions. And the problem with these addictions are that they're not always the bad things of the world. They're not always drugs and alcohol and sniffing markers or whatever you're into, you know, that we can say it's bad. It can be the good things of the world. And we've mentioned them before. Exercise is a good thing, but it can control our lives. Eating is a good thing, but it can become out of balance. And these things start to control us and they become addictions. And the crazy thing about addictions is the thing that I struggle with, you don't struggle with possibly. And the thing that you struggle with, you couldn't even make me do it. And yet we all struggle with some type of addiction, I believe, in our life to some certain extent. And I've said it before, because why? Because we're all sinners. We've been separated from God and we are trying to fill this hole in our life with something 
Something that makes us feel good, and if it's not the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to be something. Whether it's donuts, or it's shopping, or whatever it is, to start to make me feel better on the inside. So, as I've said over and over again, we can really point the finger at people that struggle with some bad addictions, and we say, that alcohol is really bad. But we need to be honest with ourselves because we've probably got some things in our own life that are a problem. We've talked about the definition of addiction, and addiction is defined as being unable to stop. Even when you want to, even when you recognize that there are these very negative things that are destroying your life, you say, I can't stop. And addiction is a pattern of behavior that you develop to deal with hurts in an unhealthy way. We're going to talk about more of that today. And it's a choice that leads to a behavior that's an excess, that leads to bondage. You make a choice, you believe through wrong thinking that this thing is going to make me happy. You get into it, you can't stop, and then it puts you in chains. And we talked about that the next week. We talked about the addiction cycle. And the one thing I want us to take away from that, if we can just burn in our brains, that when we start this addiction cycle, it's wrong thinking. Where this wrong thinking came from, whether it's from our family, whether it's from the world, it's from the media, it's from movies, it's from our neighbors, wherever, but we believe if we can just do this thing, if I can just exercise enough, then that's going to make me happy. And the truth is, that's not going to deal with the problems in our life. Before Stacy moves on to the next slide, I'm gonna ask you this. We started with the first step. And the first step, I'm only asking for one word here. The first step is to do what? Admit, good. I knew if I get it down just to one word, we maybe get it. The first step is that we need to admit, and that is a self-reflection. That is looking into the mirror. You've got to get to a point, and I don't care what problem it is, it, whether it's with your, you know, this isn't just for addictions, this is for you know, your marriage relationship with your kids, health even, you know, you have to get to a point where you look in the mirror and you admit, honest with yourself and say, okay, I've got a problem. That's always the first step. You know, I've told you before, Kaylin, she struggles with being addicted to ice cream. Now, she'll always say, dad, I admit it, but she stopped short of there of the second step, okay? I admit that there is something in my life that I need to work on. So that is the mirror that we're looking into it. So the first thing is to admit, not last week, but the week before that, we talked about the second step, which was to what? One word. I had the chair. We've got to admit, this one starts with a B. Believe. We need to believe. The first step is that we admit. We admit that we are unable to manage our lives, that they're out of control. They're destroying us and the people around us. And then the second thing is that we need to do is that we need to believe. And that is the start of believing and accepting in God. That's that leap of faith that we talked about. And I use the illustration of the chair because it's one thing to believe that this chair is here. And say, well, I, because there are some people that don't even believe in God. They don't believe that there's any higher power. So they don't even believe that there's even a chair there. There are those people that say, you know what, I believe that there is probably a higher power. Or there's some type of God or something in the universe. We weren't here just by chance. But the next step is to believe and then accept. And the accept part is to then rest in the Lord. 
that you are actually going to step out in faith and say, I believe him and I'm going to now act on that. And I'm going to sit down in the chair. I'm going to make a decision in my life to believe him and I believe that he is capable of doing some things. So the second step is, of course, to believe. You believe that a higher power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And we talked about what it means to be insane, and that's repeating the same action over and over again and expecting different results. So we get to the point where we believe that God is going to be able to stop us from just doing the same things in our life over and over again and expecting something's going to be different. We talked about the two sides of this believe, if you remember, and we need to believe that God has the means to help us, but also the other side of that is that God has the desire to help us. He has the means to help us, and he has the desire. That's where this breaks down, this illustration, because it has the means to hold me up. Does it have the desire? No, because it's a chair. And God says, I have the means to help you. Because I use the illustration of money. If you go you know, to your parents and you ask, hey, Dad, can I borrow 20 bucks? Now, you know that they have the means to help you, possibly. Hopefully, they have the $20. But do they have the desire to give you that $20? And a lot of times when we think of the Lord, we think he doesn't even have the 20 bucks, so to speak, to give to us to help us out. He's not capable of helping us out. And even if he did, we believe that he's not going to do that. He's not going to help us out, and that is not true. He has a desire to help us. So we have admit, we have believe, and then this week we have release. Release. That's the word for this week is release. That's the step three of this, and that is letting go and letting God. Letting go and letting God. Now, I realize that's a bumper sticker. I hate friction cliches, you know, the... We put on bumper stickers and these things that we say to Christians when something bad happens in their life. You know, oh, sorry about that. Um, that's a good bumper sticker. Trust God. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I hate throwing out those Christian mottos, but this is one that applies here. In this step, in step three, we need to be letting go and letting God. And we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6 this week. So we have the rope here, and we're going to release this rope. First of all, we've got to admit, and then we've got to believe, and then we've got to release. Because in our lives, and we're going to talk about this more today, we are holding onto this rope like a tug of war, and we are pulling hard against it, most of us. And who's pulling on the other side of it? Well, there's some different things pulling on the other side. There's the world, there's the Lord, a bunch of different things. And we are just holding on and trying to fight back and pull. And God says, I want you to get to this point. You've admitted there's a problem. You believe in me now. This is the biggest step here. And this one is that you have to release. You have to let go. And I tell you, I believe of these steps, and I believe these steps are biblical steps, this is one of the hardest ones for us to do, is to actually let go and release. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6, the writer underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit tells us this. He says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. This is what this third step is, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. 
But the third step in the AA is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. That you're going to release, that you're going to turn your life over, you're going to let go of your life. See why this one is the most difficult? Because you're having to release your whole entire life now. Lord, I, you know, maybe there's some areas that I'm going to let go, but you're talking about everything here? I can't. Come on, let's be real here. I can't let everything go. He says, I want you to let it all go. I want you to release it. And this is the work of step three. We make a decision. We make a conscious decision that we're going to let go. We're going to let go of some things in our life. We acknowledge our need for God's guidance in our life. And we turn over all parts of our life to God. And we choose to surrender our lives to God's care. And this is the starting of this process. This is really where things start to happen, is when you start to release. And it provides us with new opportunity to start over and turn away from our addictive behaviors. And this is the thing that I see in most people's lives, that they're not at a point that they want to release. Now, through circumstances in my life, and I'm not going to go all into that, God just got to the point where he just basically yanked the rope out of my hands. And maybe you've been there also. And I really didn't have a whole lot of other choices. And he does that to people because he knows how hard that you hang on. He says, I'm a whole lot stronger. You're going to get a rope burn. And he yanks it away from you. And you have no choice because you have to release And then there's others that are so strong. I mean, they are so strong personality-wise, so stubborn that they hold on to that rope. I mean, they hold on for dear life because they are trying to control the things around them. So preparing for this third step is what we've already talked about this morning because this is the goal of these first three steps. I believe really that you could put all these together in one category of peace with God. That's where this starts out. If you're going to have victory over these things in your life, you're going to have a change. You can even apply this to your marriage, your relationship with your kids. You've got to understand, you've got to have peace with the Lord. That's the first of these steps. So you have to admit, you have to believe, and then the third step is now you're going to release. I put together what would be the opposite of these steps that we've talked about and if you're wanting to have steps to complete insanity complete and total insanity these are the steps for it because really they're just the opposite of these first three steps the first step is if you want to be completely insane is we have admitted that we are powerless over nothing we could manage our lives perfectly and we could manage those of anyone else who would allow it and we laugh about this but kind of live like this. Number two, came to believe that there was no power greater than ourselves and the rest of the world was insane. Step number three, if you want to be completely insane, made a decision to have our loved ones and friends turn their will and their lives over to our care. And yet, we do that. 
we do that if we were really honest with ourselves and that is insanity we try to control people around us and things and we don't want to give up the rope we don't want to release and when it comes to this third step of releasing letting go and letting god it's easier said than done man that's why this one's so difficult there was a comedian i think it was steve martin he had steps to becoming a millionaire. Step number one, go get yourself a million dollars. End of steps. I don't know, I always thought that was funny. Okay, these are the steps to becoming a millionaire. Go get a million dollars. What? How is that going to happen exactly? What does that look like? That's not so easy. Well, that's just a step. Go do it. And really, that's what this step is here. It's saying that you need to release your life to God. And we can say it, it makes for good preaching, it makes for good points, and we can have the steps here, but it is very, very hard to do because sometimes we release that rope or God yanks it out from our hand and we sneak back when he's not looking and we try to hold on to it tight again. And he says, put it down. I see what you're doing over there. Take it from me. We pick it back up and we try to control again. And for a lot of us, it's very hard to trust anybody. The amazing thing about human beings is that they want to, they want to trust people. And that's why when somebody calls you up and they have a Jamaican accent and they're telling you to invest in this, you know, scheme, this mine thing, and people are like, $20,000, good, I'll sell the cat and everything else and I'll give you the money. That's why con men are able to, you know, do what they do because there's something in us that wants to trust people. But on the other hand, we don't trust anybody. For a lot of us, it's hard to trust people. Why? Because of the circumstances most of the time and the conditions when we were raised. And it keeps us from trusting God. Most of us have tried desperately to control our environment because we don't trust someone, because we've been hurt in the past. And we try to fix people, and we try to fix things so we don't have to fear, we don't have to feel insecure, we don't have to feel abandoned, criticized, disappointment, we don't have to feel violence, and the list goes on and on and on. We try to control these things around us. And it makes us insane. It's insanity. we got 7 billion people on the face of this planet, and they're all trying to control everything around them in their world. How crazy is that? You know, and you can see it from a young age. You know, with kids, like with our daughters, they had stuffed animals. And so you have your stuffed animals, and you see them playing at even three, four years of age. And so they get out the Mr. Hippopotamus, and we're going to put him out here, and we're going to have the bear. And we got our teacups out here now. Maybe for guys, it's like the GI Joe plastic things that you can melt and blow up, okay? And so we got our puppy out here, and then we're going to have our kitty right here. Okay, now you're all going to sit there, and now you're going to do what I want you to do. And then I got Mr. Bear here, and so now I'm going to control all you, okay? Okay, Mr. Bear, I'm trying to work with you here, okay? Now I'm trying to put you, put you. I don't think you want to steal what I'm trying to do here, Mr. Bear. We're trying to have some fun. So I'm going to put you right there, and you're going to, you're going to sit there, and everything's going to be fine, and we're going to have a good time. You're all going to have a good time sitting there because I've controlled you, and I put you there. 
And we try to control everything around us. Because we believe if we can control it and we can set everything up, it's going to be perfect. And then something doesn't work right. And we are frustrated, we're mad, because we think it's got to look a certain way. And I tell you people, I can speak from experience because this is my deal, okay? Because of my lifestyle, the way that I was raised, I don't want to have to ever feel like in certain areas like I felt as a kid. Man, I hate that feeling. So I'm going to try to control everything around me. And these represent people and things and, you know, everything that I'm going to try to just set out all nice and neat. And the truth is, you can't control it. And it's freeing. It's freeing when you get to the point where you say, you know what, I, I'm not in control of any of that. Maybe they're going to fall off the chair, they're going to do their own thing. And I look at that and go, cool, that's the way that's supposed to be. Because I speak to parents that have adult children, they're 40 years old, and they're still trying to set them up and trying to control them. No wonder we're drug addicts. No wonder we drink. Because if you think that you're going to control all that stuff, it's insanity. You know, part of it, my mother used to always say, and I don't know where she got this, but somebody told her through one of her treatments that she's just self-medicating through her alcohol and drugs. There is some truth to that. Because my mother tried to control things also at a certain point in her life until she just absolutely realized you can't, especially the people she was trying to, hopefully trying to control. And so the only thing you can do is to just escape. You can't deal with it because you know you can't control all this stuff. And so the only thing you can do is just numb yourself. So when you're not controlling and things are happening, you just go, I don't care. I said, okay, whatever because of a problem that we have in our life that we think that we have to control everything around us. And it makes us feel like we're losing control. We're actually feeling like we're losing our identity because our identity is wrapped up into putting all these things where they're supposed to go. Right there, you're not moving there. And so that's my job. And we feel like we have to control. So the question then becomes, why should I trust God with my life? Really, why, why should I even trust Him? Because people will tell me this. He hasn't seemed to do a very good job so far. Oh, really? So it's God's fault, the decisions that you've made in your life and now that you're living with the consequences and it's His fault. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's talk about this. Why should we be trusting God? First of all, because he's consistent. He's consistent. We should trust him because he is worthy of our trust. Plain and simple, cut and dry. Scripture says that God is faithful. You can always count on him and trust him to do exactly what he says, and he will do it every single time. We try to control things because we have been disappointed by people. And this is what I do terribly. I try to take care of whatever somebody has to do so I don't feel like I'm disappointed by them. 
Like if somebody says that they're going to do something, then I like help them do it because I don't want to have to be disappointed by them. And the way for me not to be disappointed by them is for me to do it. That's controlling. Because if you've been disappointed by someone in your life continually, you try to control that. But the truth is with the Lord, He is not going to disappoint you. And like people, He never lies, He never fails to keep His promises. He will fulfill them. I hate promises that are not fulfilled. Because why? I'm a controlling person. Because why? This is done to me as a child. People said, this is going to happen. It never happened. Never happened. And so, then I try to control the situation. And then I start to think of God being like this type of person. That you know what? Maybe the Lord needs some help. Because why? I don't want the Lord to disappoint me. So I'm just going to go do what he's supposed to be doing and control it. So Lord, you don't need to disappoint me at all. I'm all happy because I did it. Instead of trusting in him, understanding that he is consistent. Scripture says in Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? And the answer, of course, to that is there is no answer in the scripture, but we know what it is. It's no. He's always going to fulfill. So the first one is that he's consistent. The second one is that he's concerned. He's consistent and he's concerned. I should be able to trust him because he cares. 1 Peter 5.7 says, Cast, which means actually throw your cares anxieties, worries on him because he cares about you. He's consistent and he actually cares. Now, it's hard for us to believe this. Maybe you're sitting there and say, I've never experienced this in my life. But the truth is, he's consistent, he cares. Whatever concerns you, concerns him. So whenever you're faced with situations and obstacles that seem impossible, let him carry the load. Let him strengthen you. That doesn't mean he's going to just completely take it from you. That means he's going to strengthen you through it. Because as a good father, I'm not going to take all the bad situations away from my girls. Why? Because they're not going to mature. They're not going to grow. They're not going to be able to experience what they need to learn in life. And so I say, I'll help you through it, but you need to go through it. And God says he's concerned. The third and last one I have underneath this, why should I trust God, is because He's capable. He's capable of actually helping you. And I think this is a big one. We don't think He's capable. Going back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago. Because really, this is what it comes down to, and this is where I got to the point in my life. What other sensible alternative do we have, really? We've got to the point we've admitted we've got some major issues in our life and we cannot manage them any longer. We believe that there is a God. We believe that He is capable of helping me. He has a desire to help me. And so now, what am I going to do? To hold on or am I going to release? Because should we trust in ourselves or in others that are sinful, unpredictable, unreliable, and have limited wisdom? and who frequently make bad choices and decisions 
swayed by their emotions. Does that sound, because that's all of us. Or the alternative is this. Or we can trust an all-wise, all-knowing, all-powerful, gracious, merciful, loving God who has nothing but good intentions for us. Those are really the two choices. Myself, my neighbor, Oprah. I don't know that Oprah. She's awesome. (sighs) Or I can trust in the Lord. Really, that's what it comes down to. Those are the two choices that we have. Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. He is going to do more things than we can possibly imagine. He is capable. As I said before, though, even though that He may choose not to grant our request, He's still capable of supplying our every need. Just because we ask for it, we think it's what we need, he says, you know what, that's not what's best for you. And so I'm going to give you what you need, not necessarily what you want. I don't know how many times in my life, and if you've ever walked with the Lord and you've known this, that the things that I pray for and I want to happen and they don't happen, hindsight, I think, that's a good thing that didn't happen. Actually, the, the opposite happened at the time, the thing that I didn't want to have happen. And God said, I've got a plan and all that. But this is the problem. We fail to trust God because most of the time we really don't know Him. Because we're not going to hope, we're not going to trust in somebody that we don't know. You're not going to go up to somebody on the street and you're not going to be able just to you know, give them $100 and expect that they're going to invest it for you. Why? Because you don't know them. And it's the same thing with us. A lot of people will say, well, that God just left me hanging. He hasn't cared about me. He doesn't do anything for me. He, I haven't seen him be consistent in my life, be concerned about me at all. And I don't think he's even capable because you don't know him. You don't know him. He is a stranger to you. And so you shouldn't trust him. But you can remedy that. You can say, I don't know him, but I want to start trusting him in my life because God has made himself available to us. It's not difficult to find or to know him, and he has made himself available to us in his word. Not what I say up here on Sunday, not what your neighbor says, not even what your spouse says about him. You need to know who He is through His Word. It's amazing. You read His Word that's filled with people that were considered to be godly men and women who completely doubted the Lord over and over again, did not trust Him, and He continued to work in their life. A book filled with people that were a bunch of whiners and complainers, and God says, I am faithful. I will help see you through this. Trust in me. Because as another motto out there in the Christian world says, to know him is to trust him. And Psalm 119, 105, a very familiar verse says, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you don't know what God's word says, if you don't know how he works, you're not going to trust him. So quickly, going back to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, it says to trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
you want to break this down, there are three points here I want to make. God wants us to trust, rely, rest in Him with every fiber of our being. Not just some of us, not just part of us, not just our heart, not just our mind, not just our body, but the whole package deal. He says, I want you to trust me in all those areas. It says not to lean on your own understanding. And that is, it's time to admit that you are not God. I know that's a big bubble burster here this morning. You are not God. Sorry. You do not have control over all things and all people. And that means that you need to let go. And that means that you're going to rest in Him no matter what happens. Even when things get messed up and they're not how we control them, God's still in control. And He will make your path straight. Because God is in the business of changing lives. He wants to change your life. He's going to make your path straight. That doesn't mean that everything's going to be all kumbaya and all great. But even when you're on that path and you go down through the valleys and through the swamp and you're walking through the dog doo-doo, he says, you know, I'm there with you. I'm guiding you. I'm right beside you on this path. And even though that you're on this path, I'm going to help you. So to end with, this is the third step. And it's difficult. Letting go and letting God control our life. In this step, we make the decision because you've got to make the conscious decision to give up our rights on how to live however we want and choose to allow God to control our lives. The good, the bad, all of that. And we are choosing to stop trying to do things all ourselves. And that's fighting against God because we know that only He can restore us to sanity. You're going to let go of this rope. You're going to quit having a tug-of-war fight with Him because you know He's going to win eventually. And so you say, I'm going to let go. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't know if I'm trusting you completely because I don't know you, but I'm willing to let go at this point. I'm going to surrender that. And it's learning to accept and trust God's help and letting Him carry the load. And these are two things that I say to myself continually because I'm a control freak. Not being in control is okay. At least my wife tells me this, okay? I should, I should have put quotes and then put her name up here. Because I try to control things and then Stacy always says, it'll be okay. It's okay. It's not okay. You've got to control this stuff. Come on. It's okay. Even when things fall apart, God has his hand in that. And the thing I have to tell myself continually is that I'm not alone in this. Even though that things may be falling apart and they're not how I set them up, then God is still in control and I'm not alone in this. Because I have felt in my life continually like I am always alone. I have felt alone my whole entire life. And so I feel like being alone, there's only one person that can, you know, control this stuff and it's me. That's a lot of pressure. And I'm not alone in it. Two points I want to end with. This is the promise of a new beginning. No matter how far someone has fallen or how difficult a situation may seem, 
restoration is always possible because God specializes in tough cases. Because He wants the as is. Because He sees what what will be, not what was. Now I use the car illustration as far as being restored in this. Because when we come to the Lord, we think we got to clean ourselves up. We think we got to be good people. We think we got to get all this stuff. And then I'm going to come to the Lord. God says, number one, you can't do that on your own. It's like with a vehicle that's all rusted out and broken windows and you know it's old. How is it going to fix itself up? And of course, it can't. And God looks at that rust bucket and he says, man, that thing's got potential. Somebody else would look at it and go, it needs to be scrapped, it needs to be crushed. And God says, oh, no, man, that's a classic. Yeah, but look at it, it's got so much rust on it, you can't even get parts for it anymore. God says, i got all the parts for it. I've got the know-how, I'm willing to do it, I've got the energy, I'm going to restore it. And he doesn't care about what it was, he cares about what it will be. He says, you know, I'm going to be able to drive that thing. It's going to be sweet. It's going to be nice. I'm going to enjoy it. And God does this, and when He does this restoration, if you're going to look at a vehicle, you don't go up to a vehicle that's been restored and go, look at you. You just, you just restored yourself, you cute little vehicle. You don't speak to it. Because you don't go to that vehicle and say, boy, you did a great job, vehicle. You speak to the person that restored and said, you did an awesome job. Good job with that vehicle. And the person that restores it gets the glory. Not the vehicle. And God says, I'm going to restore it. And in that, I'm going to receive glory. Now you're saying, that sounds kind of selfish. He's God. And we should just be thankful that he's willing to restore instead of saying, crush it. Get rid of it. So the promise is that God can do anything, even the toughest cases. And you might think it with your, whatever the relationship is, with your kids, with your spouse, with whoever, and you think they are completely gone. Oh, there's no help, no hope for them. And God says, I specialize in the worst cases. And the perspective of a new beginning is this, that you are not alone in your struggles. God will strengthen you through your struggles. It's the idea that you are yoked with Him. And so when you have two oxen that are carrying the load, that they are carrying this burden, one gets weak and the other one is usually stronger. You're always going to have a stronger one that's going to be able to pick up the slack. And we've got one that's so strong that even when you know that critter's dragon and his you know knees are all bent and it's still able to keep on going to carry the weight and you and God says that's what I'm going to do for you in this but I'm only able to do it if you do one thing this is the catch you've got to release because how am I going to carry the weight when you continually pull it back away from me all the time and I get worried about parents because we, we've had situations even just lately about this, that you've got adult children who have never experienced the consequences in their life because you've had good parents, loving parents, responsible parents there to help cushion that, that blow, so to speak. When they're falling 
You've got like a parent that is willing to put a cushion underneath there. Whatever that is, emotionally, financially, and that's great as being a good parent. But the thing is, those kids, they don't realize what it means to actually have to deal with some things in their life because you've always got that, always got that cushion there. And so what they intend for, you know, to help a kid has now actually harmed them because they've never had to experience some really rough things in their life. And so they really don't need the Lord. They don't need anybody because they're not going to let go. So this is the heart condition, and this is the prayer. We've ended every week with the prayer. And this isn't some magical wand prayer that I've put together, okay? Have your own prayer. This is the heart condition that should be coming out of this. And it's saying to our Heavenly Father, I want to turn away from all the wrong things in my life. I've admitted that. And you're believing in Him. I know that you have the power to change my life. God, please take over the management of my life and everything about me. I'm making this conscious decision to turn my will and my life over to your care. I'm asking that you please take over all parts of my life. It's got to be all of it. Thank you for letting me trust you, for I know that I cannot handle everything and everybody by myself. And as I said, this is a heart condition. Easier said than done. This is a hard one. To actually start to release that to the Lord and quit controlling everything around you. But the truth is, you can't control it anyway. I'm going to let you in on that. You think you're controlling it, you're not. So the question I leave you with this week is, will you choose to let go and let God? Will you choose to get to the point where you say, I'm going to release this in this area of my life. And I'm not just talking about addictions here. I'm talking about your spouse. I'm talking about your finances. I'm talking about your health. The list can go on and on of things that you're trying to hold on to. And say, I am not in control. Well, the first word is what? Help me out on this. First word is what? Admit. What's the second word? Believe. The third one is release. We've got to admit that we've got these problems in our life. We're going to believe that God is capable. He has a desire to help us. And then I'm going to release. And that is releasing control of my life. Close the word of prayer. Lord, you know us as people. A lot of us are pretty strong. Strong-willed and we've got strong minds. We may even have strong bodies, and we believe that we really don't need you because we have everything in control. And Lord, I pray even though it's a hard prayer for even possibly people sitting here, people that aren't even you know, here this morning, people that aren't even involved in our church that are family members, Lord, I pray that you would bring about in their life a circumstance where they realize that they need to release, that you yank the rope, so to speak, out of their hands. And a lot of times that is not pretty. That is not something we want for someone. We don't want it for ourselves and we don't want it for our loved ones, but a lot of times that's the only choice that really it's coming down to because we're so strong. And Lord, I pray that we would not have to be at that point, but we would real willingly release control over to you to manage our lives. We may not trust you, we may not know you, but we're going to start on that journey and we're going to start to commit to 
the first step of trusting you, and then we're going to step on that, that road of that path of, of starting to know who you are. And that's a lifetime experience. And Lord, even though that we continually disappoint you as people, um, let you down, you don't hold it against us, you don't hold anger towards us, you just continue to look towards the future and want to see us restored as a good father would want for his children. Lord, we thank you for, for that relationship, that commitment you have towards us, and we thank you that that all started on Calvary's cross. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.